and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Do you feel like you've not been able to make headway in achieving your goals? Or did you start the year pumped, ready to move forward on making things happen and simply lost your way? Things don't need to just get better. They actually can be better. In Design Your Dream Life, I'll show you a proven pathway to take you from where you are now to a life filled with joy, wholeness, success, and fulfillment. I'll give you the keys to not just developing a plan, but taking massive empowered action to make your dreams a reality. Turn roadblocks into stepping stones and leverage the power of gratitude and forgiveness. Let's face it, taking massive empowered action and making your dreams a reality isn't always easy. So I'll be there with you every step of the way. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com to purchase your copy of Design Your Dream Life, obtain resources and join our free community. Again, that's dreamlifetoolkit.com. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. Ah, I'm so excited for our interview today, you guys, because we are working with a mental success coach who is a cutting edge leadership consultant, trainer, and researcher. And he's not just going to help us understand who we are and why we think the way we do and how it impacts us today in our work life, relationships, all of that. He's going to help us how to tap in to being better and how to grow our mindsets into one that people want to follow, you know, into leadership. And we know that the leader is the motivator, the growth center for the team. And as the leader grows, everybody grows. And so it's our job as we impact and influence our organizations that we grow as leaders so we can create the space for our team to grow. So let's dive into the mindset assessment with Ryan Godfordson. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. I'm excited to connect with you. We chatted before we pressed record and we definitely speak the same language. You are currently a leadership and management professional in California. You hold a PhD in organizational behavior and human resources. And then you also spent some time in Kalamazoo at Western Michigan University. And yeah, I'm excited to dive into all of your experience. So tell us a bit about why you got into this field to begin with. One of the things that I've learned is that I love to help people awaken to themselves. Because for me, I love to awaken to myself is I I don't know about you, but I look back on my life and I think, man, I sure wish I could have done things differently. And I thought I was doing really well. But then along came a book or a mentor or something like that. And they there was just kind of a jab in your side that made you just think about things completely differently. And, And in a way, it rocked your world, but in a really good way. It's like, oh, my goodness, I've been missing out on essentially colors. I've been seeing in black and white, and now I see in colors. And now I can live life. Um, more successfully, more be more fulfilled. And and so to me, that's what I that's kind of my mission is to help people see themselves in colors, as opposed to maybe that black and white. 
And I come from this from a leadership perspective in the sense of when I was young, I took a sports psychology class in high school. And I was thinking, man, I love learning about how to become a better person. And I wish there was a field of study where I could do that. And then later, several years later, I come to find out that that field of study is largely, you know, psychology. But then in the business world, that's organization behavior. It's applied psychology within the, within an organization. And so that's where I, I did my education was in organizational behavior. And then with, I now have a specific focus on leadership. Awesome. Yeah, those aha moments that carry, you know, we go from one aha moment to another where we break through our own personal glass ceiling and a, a mindset shifts. And now all of a sudden we see the world in a completely different way. And you never know when that's going to be, whether it's in a book or a podcast or an event where you're opening yourself up to learning new things. And then all of a sudden, aha, uh, <laughs> life shifts. I love that, seeing it in color. So yeah. tell me a bit about the mindset assessment that you've created. You talk a decent amount about mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. If you were to talk to an audience and if you were to ask them, what mindsets do you need to have to be successful? Do you think you would get a very clear response from them? I don't. I don't. I feel like they would say confident. <laughs> or positive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Which is great. And there's a whole host of people that are out there that are talking mindsets are so important, which I agree with. Mindsets are foundational to everything that we do because our mindsets are the mental lenses that we wear that shapes how we see the world and how we see the world shapes how we think, how we learn and how we behave. And really cognitive psychology has found that our mindsets are the most foundational aspect about ourselves because they impact how we read and interpret our environment. So I like to call our mindsets our mental fuel filters because what we see in our environment gets filtered by our mindsets and then what goes into our brain goes on to fuel, as I mentioned, our thinking, our learning and our behavior. And when I, as I was doing research on leadership, I was trying to tap into the idea of rather than focus on helping leaders do the right things, while that's important, I think it's more important to focus on how do we help leaders to become somebody that others want to follow. So instead of focus on the doing, focus on the being. And as I was doing research on this, I kept coming across mindset research where there would be some research. For Let me give you, can I give you an example of a research study that I think is really interesting? Absolutely. I love it. All right. So there's this one study where a group of researchers, they went to some financial professionals around the time of the economic downturn. And they so they're pretty stressed out about the job. They had one group of these people watch a three minute video about how stress is debilitating. And then they had another group of people see a three minute video about how stress is enabled. And they're both are backed by science. We found both perspectives. But then what ended up happening is after that, they tracked their engagement, their performance and their blood pressure for the next two weeks. And what they found is that those who saw the video, how stress is enabling, had higher engagement, higher performance, and lower blood pressure, all by seeing a three-minute movie that is what it's doing is shifting mindsets. And so I would come across studies like this, and I would just be floored about the impact that these small little interventions can have on how we think, learn, behave, operate, and really how successful we are. Oh, it is so amazing. You know, and you say that your mindset is your mental filter. It's like the way we view the world and often the way we view ourselves. And that can be unconscious. You don't realize you're doing it. It's kind of buried or it's this, this habit that we've gotten into um, but we now know that we can learn new habits and we can grow our identity and we can shift 
and we can decide what mental filters we want to have. So we view the world in a way that we want to view the world. So how do you help people grow in this way? Just building off what you said is research has found that 90% of our thinking, feeling, judging, and acting is driven by our non-conscious automatic processing, which means we are essentially operating on autopilot. And if you know you, you probably do a decent amount of flying, you imagine you get on a plane, what happens if that autopilot dial is just a little off? Like you may be heading in the right direction, but it's a little off. Well, at the end of the day, what that means is we just get there. It takes us longer to get to our destination because we end up getting a little off course. And so we need some way to assess what is the quality of my autopilot. And so that's where I put together a, I've kind of aggregated all of the research that I've been able to find on mindsets that stems across psychology, marketing, education, and management. And there's four different sets of mindsets that have been studied for over 30 years that have shown to have this foundational impact on our lives. And so I pulled together all of this research and then created a personal mindset assessment that is designed to help people awaken to their mindsets, which are driving their non-conscious automation processing or their autopilot. And I just feel like if we can awaken, if we have a tool that can objectively give us information about the quality of our mindsets, that allows us to awaken to ourselves at a level we've never been able to. Uh, I, this is a quotable, the quality of your autopilot, you know, because that's so true. We are living habitually. <laughs> and the good thing is we can change our habits, but we first need to realize what we're doing so then we can make a change. And so there's four mindsets. And I took this test too. So I've got my answers right in front of me. And the first one is a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Can you describe that? We're looking at a continuum, but the way we'll talk about it is kind of a dichotomy. We'll fall somewhere along this continuum. So when we have a fixed mindset, we don't believe that we and others can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. But when we have a growth mindset, we believe that we and others can change our talents, abilities, and intelligence. And here's the thing about it, is I think every one of us has two competing desires. We have a desire to look good, and we have a desire to learn and grow. But we can't do both at the same time, because if we want to maximize our learning, we've got to put ourselves in a position where we're not going to look good. So when we have a fixed mindset, we prioritize this idea of looking good over learning and growing. Because if we don't believe that we can change and improve and we fail, we're left to interpret that as though we are failures. So we avoid challenges. We avoid failure. We see effort as a signal that this isn't meant for us. Can I give you an example of that? Yeah, that's so interesting because you're right. When you're learning and growing, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable spot. It takes courage. You're not an expert. You don't know all the answers and you might not look good every step of the way. So yeah, tell me an example. I used to have a fixed mindset. I, I think I'm more on the growth mindset side now. But when I went to college, my freshman year, I moved away from home and I was thinking I wanted to become a medical doctor. So I signed up for the Weeder chemistry course for pre-med students. And I probably got the lowest grade I'd ever received. So I got a C at the end of the semester. And with my fixed mindset, where my mind took me was because this didn't come naturally to me, I need to change my major. So that's what I did. See, that was my fixed mindset talking. Whereas a growth mindset would say, look, don't you realize that becoming a medical doctor is going to be challenging? And you may want to reevaluate your study habits. 
right? My mind just didn't even take me there. My mindset just didn't allow me to even process in that way. It was my fixed mindset that overrode my growth mindset. And this was my need to look good and want things to be easy for me, which ultimately, I mean, it took me on a path where I'm, I'm grateful for where I am now, but it essentially made me compromise my goals and my purpose that I had for myself at that time. Yeah. And when I think of fixed mindset, I think of this is just the way I am and there's no room for growth. This is just just the way life is. And so there's little room for other options or other ideas because it's because you're, I mean, a stock essentially here fixed can't move. (laughs) Yeah. And we're learning that that's just not true. You know, we're not the product of our DNA. It's not our family that we're, you know, we have diabetes forever because of we're screwed for life kind of thing. So what are some ways for people to grow in this area and develop more of a growth mindset? There's some principles that are the same across all of these mindsets. And so some of the basic principles is I don't think it's too different than learning how to count to 10 in a different language and become fluent in that. I don't really speak any other language, but I went to Germany recently. And so I don't speak any German. But if I wanted to learn how to count to 10 in German, my first step is to learn the words associated with the numbers. So in other words, I need to know the labels of mindsets and I need to understand what they are. So that's largely what we've done with fixed and growth is we just need to, hey, they're out there. Let's put labels on them because now when we have labels, now we could focus on them. Without those labels, when we would just said, what mindsets do you need to have? Well, a positive mindset. What exactly does that mean? But now that we have labels, we could focus on it. Then the next step is to engage in regular interventions just like we would with practicing counting to 10 in a different language. So five mi- five to 10 minutes on a daily or fairly regular basis in the course of a month or two, we're going to be fluent in counting to 10 in a different language. So that's kind of, the, I think, the basic overarching principles. But then the question becomes, what interventions do we engage in on a regular basis? I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Quinn. He's at the University of Michigan, a, a big thought leader on personal change and organizational change. And one of the things that I love that he says is people transform for one of two reasons. Either they hit a crisis or they engage in deep learning. That personal transformation is essentially not going to happen unless one of those things occur. So I think one of the interventions, we've got to engage in some deep learning on the topic. So we've got to dive into what is the difference. I have written a book that is available for pre-order. Carol Dweck has a fantastic book on fixed and growth mindsets called Mindsets. There's some TED Talks would be be a great intervention. Eduardo Brasino has some great TED Talks on fixed and growth mindsets. But even just talking with our team about what they are and engaging in a dialogue, just what it's doing is it's activating the neural connections in our brain associated with the growth mindsets. And we're trying to limit the overriding effect of the neural connections with the fixed mindsets. Awesome. So what is your book called? It's called Success Mindsets. Success Mindsets. All right. All the links for all of that will be in the description (laughs) below. And what I love about your assessment is that there's a lot of resources in the, the printout that you get, you know, with your scores and how you can develop and grow. And, you know, one of the books that really taught me this skill is Who Moved My Cheese? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You guys haven't read Who Moved My Cheese. It's a short little read, but it talks about being flexible and learn, you know, learning other options. And I was teaching an anger management class. And we talked about this book quite a bit because we found in their anger management class, a lot of the, the thinking was fixed. And if people weren't doing it right, they would get angry, you know, instead of the the other options. So it's interesting. 
So yeah. cool. All right. So the second mindset that we talk about in your assessment is closed versus open. Tell me about this. This is kind of the openness of our brain. So when we have a closed mindset, we're close to the ideas and suggestions of others. When we're open, we're open to others' ideas and suggestions, and we're willing to take those seriously. So when you have an open mindset, this doesn't mean that you just go along with whatever somebody says. I think we can always have a stiff back, but what an open mindset means is that we have a soft front. And so it's really important that we allow ourselves to be open to the ideas and suggestions of others. But then that leads to the question, why would somebody develop a closed mindset? Why would somebody be close to the ideas and suggestions of others? And at a fundamental level, people who have a closed mindset, they believe that they are right. And along with that, they want to be seen as being right. And so when you want to be seen as being right, you want to be the one providing all the answers, you don't allow feedback, you don't allow new perspectives, and you see disagreement as a threat. But when you have an open mindset, there's some part of you believes that, hey, I could be wrong about this. And what that does is it gives us the space to, rather than focus on being seen as being right, to seek after finding truth and thinking optimally. So rather than providing answers, we're asking questions, we're inviting feedback, we're inviting new perspectives, and we see disagreement as an opportunity to learn and, and to awaken us to maybe some blind spots that we have. So what are some ways that we can be more open? Um, I, I know when I was taking this, the test, there were times where I was like, but I'm not a pushover. I know what I want, but I am open. You know what I mean? And so there was a question where I was like, not a hundred, you know, I think it was a scale. And in yeah. uh, some of them, I was like, I'm very open. And then I'm like, but I'm not a pushover. So I, I like that you said that because you really can be confident and strong and firm, but then also open to learning, right? And this is tricky for people who see themselves as an expert. I, I imagine you see yourself as an expert in different areas. I see myself as an expert. And so when somebody starts talking to you about that subject that you're an expert on, we can be inclined to dismiss their ideas. And, and even though they could be way off base, what's happening is if we dismiss those ideas, one of the things is we're closing our mind to picking up on new ideas that we can build off of. Also, when we shut them down, what's the likelihood of them going to be them speaking up to us in the future? It's just not going to happen. You see, so having an open mindset is necessary because it creates psychological safety. Um, and and th- what Google has found in their research is that's the number one factor that drives their top forming teams. There's a great article by Charles Duhigg in the New York Times all about that. But psychological safety as a whole requires having this open mindset. So how do we get there? Let me give you another, you know, one, my book, I think is pretty good. But then some other books that have really influenced me are Principles by Ray Dalio. He's the founder of the largest hedge fund uh, of all time. And then Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull, who's the founder of Pixar. And then when Disney bought out Pixar, he became the president uh, of Disney Animation. And I think, in all honesty, Creativity Inc. is the best business book I've ever read. So fantastic book. So in addition to this deep learning, I think one of the things that we could do is we can identify what is our what is the story we tell ourselves about our brain as if our brain is a bucket. See, do how do we see our, our bucket? Do we see it as being full, right? So if our bucket is full and you pour something in it, what ends up happening, right? It just goes over the edge. And that's when our bucket, when we see our brain as being full and we have this expertise in a subject, what we're saying is, I know everything there is to know about this topic. And so I'm close to the ideas of others. 
So this, this presents us with two options in terms of changing our own personal narrative. One is we could either say, okay, I don't know as much as I thought I knew. I'm going to decrease the amount of water in my bucket. But another approach, which is probably a little less of an ego hit, which is to say, hey, I thought I knew everything that was to know about the subject. But what I'm now realizing is the bucket is much bigger than I thought. So now we increase the size of our bucket, our water level stays the same, and that leaves us room to soak in additional information. So part of this is just kind of changing our own personal narrative. You know, I think the psychological safety of a team, of an organization, is probably one of the most driving factors in culture. Because if people feel safe, like they, number one, can... I was asking somebody, I said, I don't know if I belong here anymore. And they said, that's not the question you're asking. You're asking, can I be me here? Mm -hmm. And to me, that connects with the psychological safety. Can I be me here? Can I learn and grow here? Are my thoughts valued here? Can I speak up? And I know we can have a good discussion about it here. And, and those types of environments create a place where people are open and more soft and willing to learn. And I found when we're able to create that culture within our team, people thrive. They let go of the, the stiffness, you know, and they're yep. able to really plant their feet and connect and grow. It's been really, really cool to see. Yeah. And that's where like Brene Brown's work, like Dare to Lead, her book, and the power of vulnerability and authenticity also kind of play a role. Yeah. So good. And as leaders, we have the ability to impact that culture by modeling some of these these mindsets ourselves. So the third mindset you talk about on your assessment is prevention versus promotion. Tell me about this. So when we have a prevention mindset, we are trying not to lose. But when we have a promotion mindset, we're trying to win and gain. And I think the best way to describe this is to imagine that as though we're a ship captain and we're out at sea. If we have a prevention mindset, our number one focus is on not sinking. So we want to avoid problems. We don't want to take any risks. We don't want to rock the boat. And another way to say that is we just want to maintain the status quo. And so what ends up happening is that if this is our mindset and we see a storm on the horizon, then what we're going to be inclined to do is to run from that storm and find safety. And what ends up happening is we end up in a destination that we didn't choose. Now, when we have a promotion mindset, uh, it's not that we're not concerned about sinking because we don't want to sink, but our number one focus is on getting to a specific destination. So when we see that storm come on the horizon, rather than try to avoid problems and run, we anticipate problems. So we start to button down the hatches. We become willing to take risks. We will go against the winds of the currents of the sea because we know that what stand, if that storm stands between us and where we want to go, we've got to do everything in our power to get to it. And that's the promotion mindset. So it's only those that have a promotion mindset that are able to reach a destination of their own proactive design, as opposed to uh, the prevention mindset is going to be more taking the path of least resistance. Ooh, I hope you guys heard that. So when there's a storm, the prevention mindset would avoid the storm, which means they could head in a completely different direction. A promotion mindset would plow through the storm with safety guards and, you know, raincoats and all the things. Yeah. Um, but getting to the destination is more important. So the prevention mindset reacts. They're reacting to, you know, when we say life happens you know, and this happened. And so now I'm off course. 
they're reacting to that situation and avoiding the conflict or allowing it to derail them versus the promotion mindset who says, even when things get hard, even when, quote, life happens, even when I have a clear purpose and clear focus on my goals, and I know that I'm going to get there. Beautiful. All right, the last one, inward versus outward. Tell me about this one. When we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves uh, as being more important than others. And when we see ourselves as being more important than others, it causes us to see them more like objects than as people. When we have an outward mindset, we're able to see them as being just as important as ourselves. So their needs and wants matter just as much as our own needs and wants. This allows us to see them as a person as opposed to an object. Okay. How do we grow this? Because this is probably a pretty ingrained habit. The inward mindset tells me I'm scared that my needs won't be met, so I have to meet them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're very much like focused on self-preservation, essentially. Yep. And that could, that's a scarcity mindset or a scarcity habit as well. And then the outward means I feel safe and I trust and all of these things. So how do we move this scale? So I think part of it is our self-talk. So one of the things that we can, if, the more we learn about this, the more we're going to be able to evaluate this within ourselves. So great resources on this come from, there's a company called the Arbinger Institute. They've written several books, uh, Leadership and Self-Deception, Anatomy of Peace, and The Outward Mindset. All of those are fantastic. So one of the things we can do is engage in self-talk. Am I being inward? Am I being outward? Am I valuing them just as much as I value myself? Another question that I love is, and this comes from Benjamin Zander, who gives a really great TED Talk. So he's the founder and conductor of the Boston Philharmonic Orchestra. And he says that for the first half of his career, he had an inward mindset. He saw his musicians not as people, but as instruments to play the music the way that he wanted it to be played. But then he had this epiphany, which was, while he is the face of the orchestra, he doesn't play a note. And this allowed him to say, wow, how do I empower and value my people to the degree that they play the music not the way that I want it to be played, but the way that they are most capable of playing And one of the questions that he asked, which I love, is who am I being that their eyes are not shining? So when something goes wrong, are we looking in out the window and pointing our finger? What's wrong with all of you? Or is our first step to ask our kind of look in the mirror and ask ourselves, who am I being that their eyes are not shining? So I think that's a really good introspective question. Uh, A third great introspective question comes from uh, Brene Brown. It's in her book, Rising Strong, and then also Dare to Lead. But she was asked this question, and I ask this a lot of times to the groups I speak to, which is, do you think in general that people are doing the best they can? And it's really fascinating because the majority of the people in, in the groups that I speak to, they say that people are not doing the best that they can. And, and here's the impact that it has. And I've learned this from kind of sad experience. But, and so I'm kind of ashamed to admit this. But when I would pull up to a street corner and I would see a homeless person standing there, my, my immediate thought would be they're not doing the best that they can. So I become quite critical of them. My, my thoughts go to, they're just wasting their time. Why don't they get a job, right? But what happens if I approach them and think they're doing the best that they can? Well, now I'm left to ask myself, what in the world has happened in their life that has led them to believe that this is the best way to live? Now I become incredibly empathetic, thinking, what have they gone through and how can I support them? 
So I, I love this example because it paints the impact that our mindsets have. How we see others, how we see the world shapes how we think about them. Are we critical or empathetic? And then how we behave. We're not likely to help them and we're more likely to help them. So if we can awaken to our mindsets and shift those, then we could change, again, our thinking, our learning and behavior. But that that third question, do you see others as doing the best that they can? And if you could take that outlook, it's going to naturally pull you over to that outward mindset side of the continuum. Absolutely. That question alone shifts your per- perception of the world. Yeah. Wow. So why is it important in leadership when we are working with people on a daily basis to number one, know where we are now and then work to grow it? When I go into organizations, I'll generally have leaders, all the leaders in the room will take the assessment in advance, and then I'll present their collective mindset report as a group. And this really stood out at a company I recently worked with. And what I found is I spent three days with them, and I was presenting on the last day. And so they had already taken my mindset assessment, gotten their results, and I was now interacting with them. And there's some people who are like, oh, I love your mindset assessment. It was great. And, they're like, and other people are like, oh, you're the mindset assessment guy. I didn't do very well. And as I as I got to know these people, what I came to find out is that those who their mindsets are more on the negative side of the continuums, their work experience is like they're pushing a car through the mud. I mean, they're giving their all, but they're just not getting anywhere and they're getting messy in the process. Whereas those that have the more positive mindsets to them, they're like, I've got a well-oiled machine. I've got a sports car here. And it's and the only difference is, is they're both giving a lot of effort. They will both say that they're trying the best that they can. But at the end of the day, it comes back to our autopilot, our, our natural programming. And sometimes when we have these negative mindsets, we're making our lives difficult on ourselves and we don't even realize it. And so that's the power of awakening to these mindsets, because it allows us to see how while we have the best intentions, Sometimes our best intentions aren't set to the right autopilot setting. And we end up, it just takes us longer to get there. And if we can awaken to these things, we can shortcut that. We, we can make these shifts that allow our, us to lead more effectively and be more effective uh, in really every area of our life. And really, it's the learning, isn't it? It's learning, it's identifying learning, and then retraining your brain essentially to have a new autopilot. And you'll find you'll get very different results. Yeah, let me ask you this question. So I'm going to present to you four different desires. You tell me if these are are bad desires. So they are, I want to look good. I want to be right. I want to avoid problems. And I want to get ahead. Do you see those as bad desires? Not bad. Not bad, right? Because bad. who wants to... Like everybody wants, to, wants those things, right? Yeah. <laughs> who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get past them? Well, nobody does, right? But here's the kicker is all four of those desires are attached to our negative mindset. And what this means for us is a couple things. One is these are really, these negative mindsets are really easy to justify. And so when we have these mindsets, and when I have people take the assessment, they've got more negative mindsets. So like, like, no, I'm right here. Like, what, there's not a better way to operate. I'm operating the best way possible. And I've been there personally. And that's where I love like seeing in colors is because I've had to awaken to these myself. But the other thing about these four desires, so looking good, uh, being right, avoiding problems and getting ahead is they're all self-focused. 
So one of the things, ways to think about these negative mindsets is when we have these negative mindsets, we are in self-protection mode. And you brought that up. That's, you know, deficit thinking is one of the ways to describe this. And what we don't realize when we have these negative mindsets and their associated negative desires is that there's higher ways of thinking, higher levels of thinking. So instead of wanting to look good, we want to learn and grow. Instead of wanting to be right, we want to find truth. Instead of wanting to avoid problems, we want to accomplish goals. Instead of uh, wanting to get ahead, we want to help everyone succeed. Now, even as I say those, I mean, my guess is you can kind of sense the positivity, the higher level of thinking. And it's I think most people are bogged down in these negative mindsets, partly because they think this is the best way to see the world. And they just don't realize that there's a better way to see the world. And if they could realize that, they would jump on board right away. And so I think that's where most people are at. So if we could just give people this knowledge, I think it just naturally empowers them to become the best version of themselves. Absolutely. And the shifts don't have to be huge. It really, it can be that subtle shift where you ask yourself, do you think that people are doing the best that they can? And you'll have a whole new slew of options and solutions and ideas and attitudes about those people and about the world and all of that kind of thing. So it doesn't have to be a grind to change these mindsets or to change these habits. It seems like it really can flow a bit more naturally than we expect. And I think what it does take, and I've heard you say this on on other podcasts, is it takes being intentional about it, right? It's these small interventions on a regular basis over time. So what we see in the research, like I I shared with you the three-minute video clip about how stress is enhancing, that had effects for two weeks, right? So if we can add on interventions on a repeated basis, now this becomes much more permanent. As, as opposed to a temporary thing. So another way to think about this is when you work with folks or just in general, if somebody wants to improve themselves or their success, where would you say they generally focus? Well, I, I feel like a lot of times when they come to me, they want a physical, tangible change when I know that the change has to start in their mindset first. Right. So most people, when they're thinking, I want to become better, I want to, I want to do better, what they're focusing primarily on is our, on their behaviors. What they probably want from you is a checklist. You just tell me what to exactly. do. Exactly. Right? Tell me what to say. Tell me what to do. Exactly. <laughs> so, so I think 90% of all personal and leadership development focuses on behaviors. Then I think the next, well, then we can ask ourselves, what drives our behaviors? Well, what drives our behaviors is our thinking. And I think about 9% of people focus on their thinking, right? So if I could change how I think, I'll just change how we behave. But what happens if we pull forward and kind of try to shift our thinking and behaviors, but we don't talk about mindsets, our prevailing mindsets are going to resist the changes that we're trying to make to our thinking and behavior. And, and that's when most people, and myself included, have struggled with personal development. It's usually because they're focused on either their behavior or their thinking, and they feel this continual pull by their mindsets that are pulling them back to the typical way that they, they see the world. So a much better and much more effective and natural approach to personal development is to first push forward our mindsets. And as we do so, our thinking will naturally follow so will our behavior and so will our success. And so if we can help people understand that mindsets are foundational to everything that we do and it identifies the, the best place and most natural place to focus on for our personal development, I think we'll be more successful with our development and also 
we'll enjoy the process a lot more. It won't, just won't be as frustrating to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, a mindset is your mental filter. So several people could experience a similar situation, but have a different outcome in their mind of what actually happened because of their mindset. So it truly is the foundation and how we see this, see the world, see ourselves. And, and our identity is sometimes rooted in this mindset. And that when, when you shift that, then everything else will flow easier, huh? Yeah. And that's, that's one of the tricky parts, particularly if we're locked in on some of these negative mindsets, is many of us identify with those. And we feel like if we were to change, we would give up part of who we are. Uh, let me give you a quick example of this. Is I had a student in one of my classes who kept bringing up this this dynamic in her family going on. Is her her dad and her brother hated each other, and you could tell it was just like killing her because the the son wanted to soup up his car, and the dad is like, "You need to be more responsible and save your money, right?" And, and they're just like butting heads about this over and over again. And this becomes a huge rift. And I'm not saying either party is right or either party is necessarily wrong. But I just kind of put myself in the dad's perspective is I imagine he identifies with being a dad. He identifies with being somewhat of this authority figure. He wants to be in control. And the idea of letting go of control would suggest to him that he's giving up, that he's a failure in the situation. But what he doesn't realize is that's preventing him from connecting with his son. And, and so if he's locked in and identifies with those negative mindsets, maybe a closed mindset in this instance, and, and he's scared about the uncertainty that will come for changing his mindsets. And I think that if people have a hesitancy to change their mindsets, it's because seeing the world in a different way is completely foreign to them. And that, admittedly, that can be really scary. I really believe that this whole episode has been an aha moment that has allowed people to awaken to themselves. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much, Ryan, for sharing your wisdom. I've got two last questions for you and you guys. All sure. the notes um, and links to connect with Ryan and get his new book will be in the show notes below. So one question I have is what books are you reading now and who are you learning from? Oh, uh, I like eat audiobooks. So let me, I'm going to pull up my app just to kind of give you a sense of what I've been listening to lately. One is not that I love the book, but it's called Everybody Always. It's about loving others. That's one that I'm listening to. There's an audible course on cognitive behavioral therapy. I recently read a book called I Hear You. And I love this book. It's like super cheap on audible. It's only like $5. And it's short. It's the book that I would say has moved the needle the most for me in terms of my emotional intelligence. It's all about learning how to better validate others. I love that. I recently read The Whole Brain Child. So I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. I always try to read books that will help me become a better parent. I found that one to be really good. A fiction book or a historic, I like historical fiction. A, a recent book that I at least read was Catching the Wind. I really enjoyed it. So anyways, those are some of the books that I've been listening to lately. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And then my last question is, as you continue to learn and grow and give back to the world and be the best in all areas that you can be, are, is there something you do every day that you couldn't live without? Yeah. And well, there's two things. Can I give two? You can give to. Okay. So to me, I've been on the negative side with all of these mindsets. I think that there's a reason why I focus on these is I probably need the help more than anybody else. Uh, but one of the tools that has been the biggest game changer for me, and it, it's 
it's primarily focused on helping me improve from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset, but I've seen how it's affected the others as well. Uh, but I was given this book uh, about two years ago, and the guy who handed it to me, he handed it to me and said, this book is going to change your life. And I looked down at the cover of the book, and it's called The Five-Minute Journal. And and I read this, and I think, you are out of your mind. There is no way in hell I am journaling. Like, it's not happening. And he's like, you know, but I was like, nice. Oh, yeah, thanks. Really appreciate it. And so in my but in my mind, I'm like, well, okay, he said it's going to be a life changer. I'm going to I'm going to give it a shot for two weeks and see what happens. So I did it. And what it does is it's just exercises in the morning, three things you're grateful for, three things that'll make today awesome and some self-affirmations. And then at the end of the day, what are three amazing things that happened? And what did you learn today to become better? And that daily exercise and daily practice shifted me from a prevention mindset to a promotion mindset because it helped me identify and define what my destinations were. I have to do that every day or else I just don't feel like I'm going to be successful. In tandem with that, I've been using Michael Hyatt's full focus planner that has amped up my level and focusing on my destinations because it helps me clearly identify my long-term goals, my quarterly goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, and daily goals, and create alignment between all of those. And, and that's really been a game changer as well. So I use that. I spend about an hour on, on Sunday mornings doing that for the week or filling out for the week. And then every day I'm relying upon that, to making sure I'm on the right track. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to check both of those out myself. So thank you so, so much, Ryan, for sharing your experience, your wisdom with us. You guys show Ryan some love reviewing the podcast. Let him know how helpful it was and go take the assessment. Because we know that knowledge is power. And when you know more about who you are, then you can work to change in areas where you need some growth, as we all do on our life path. So thank you again, Ryan. We appreciate having you here. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.